Well, I, I noticed a flurry of activity in my email inbox uh, beginning last weekend, moving into Monday, and then certainly on Tuesday. Uh, ministries, charities, fundraisings, fundraisers making their appeal for Giving Tuesday. And there's a good question often asked by these ministries, charities, and fundraising, their giving portal, their giving platform. And here's the question. Would you like your gift to be anonymous? That is a great question. That is, in fact, a biblical question, one that Jesus himself asks and answers. And it is that question that I want to explore with you this morning. So if you would, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 in the Bibles we provided on your chairs. You can find that on page 811. Page 811. Now this morning, uh, we're continuing our series in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you're new to Beacon, we want to welcome you and kind of orient you a little bit. We typically preach through books of the Bible, large portions of the Bible, systematically, passage by passage. And so for the last couple months, we've been in the Sermon on the Mount, and you can find that in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And we're titling this series, The Ways of the King. So in the Sermon on the Mount, you find Jesus detailing for us what the characteristics of the kingdom look like, what the qualities Uh, the character attributes of his kingdom are. This morning we examine the character, the approach, the heart behind giving as a kingdom citizen. The heart behind giving. So this is the next passage up in our Sermon on the Mount series, Matthew 6, 1 through 4. I'll read that for us. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, as we turn from Matthew 5 into Matthew 6, we arrive at a a mini-series within the Sermon on the Mount, kind of a mini-theme that is repeated here in Matthew 6, 1 through 18, and we're going to take these passages One by one, this morning we're looking at the first in the little mini-series. And what Jesus does here is he warns the citizens of his kingdom from practicing their righteousness or exercising their spiritual disciplines, very important things like giving and praying and fasting. He warns us against practicing those in a showy way, in a boastful way. He introduces this little mini-series in Matthew 6, verse 1. Let's look, a look, look again at that verse. Matthew 6, 1, Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. That verse serves as an introduction to what he will revisit in the next three passages, giving, praying, and fasting. Beware of practicing these things so that you receive an applause or a pat on the back. That's not the right motivation. And so he's introducing this little mini-series, this mini-theme, here in verse 1. 
In verse 2 through 18, he goes on to provide these three examples, giving, praying, fasting, and we'll tackle each one in turn. And what he's doing is he's revealing to us the false motivations and the true motivations that ought to be behind our giving, our praying, our fasting, the exercising of good and right spiritual disciplines. And so that's, that's what he's doing. This morning, we tackle this first spiritual div, uh, discipline of giving. Now, what's ahead for us in the sermon series? So this Advent is upon us. This will be our last sermon in the Sermon on the Mount for 2023. We'll revisit it again in January, but we're going to pause the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to do uh, a three, four-week series uh, in Christmas, an uh, Advent series, entitled, Why Did Jesus Come? Why did Jesus come? What is this Advent all about? Why did he come? And so we'll examine four statements that he makes telling us why he came in each of the four Gospels. For the Son of Man came. The Son of Man came. He tells us why he comes. So that's what we'll be doing up and through Christmas Eve. And then we'll have a little two-week series in Proverbs, a little wisdom for the winter time, and then back in the Sermon on the Mount come January 14th. So that's just a very brief overview of where we're going to be headed on our Sunday morning sermon series. So the aim and the charge that I want to leave you with from Matthew 6, 1 through 4 is this. Beware boastful giving, for its reward is fleeting. Practice humble giving, for its reward is forever. Beware boastful giving, for its reward is fleeting. Practice humble giving, for its reward is forever. So if you're a note taker, and I encourage you to do so, this sermon will unfold in two parts, just unpacking that, that charge, that aim. First, beware boastful giving, for its reward is fleeting, and then we'll transition the second part of the sermon, practice humble giving, for its reward is forever. So first, beware boastful giving, for its reward is fleeting. Jesus says in verse 2, thus when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Our first observation is this. Jesus presupposes giving to those in need. Now, he doesn't major on this. He, he, he's about what our heart is doing. That, that's the aim here. But he presupposes, he assumes that his kingdom citizens are giving to those in need are being charitable to the poor. He just he assumes that. Thoughtful, generous giving to the poor is the witness of the Bible, Old and New Testaments. This theme spans the Testaments. Old and New Testaments, we see God encouraging his people to give to those in need. Let me provide you a, a flyover summary of some verses. You might consider writing these down and revisiting them. Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse 11. For there will never cease to be the poor in the land. Therefore, the Lord says, I command you, you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to the needy and to the poor in your land. It's amazing. Don't clench your fist with a white knuckle grip around your money. The Lord says, open your hand wide to those in need. Your brother i.e. Christians, your, your, your fellow citizens of the kingdom, but also to your neighbor, to those around you in your community. Psalm 41, verse 1. Blessed is the one who considers the poor. In the day of trouble, the Lord delivers him. 
This is one of the earthly rewards we'll talk about, forgiving that the Lord draws near to those who give generously. He helps them in their time of need. The Lord will deliver him in his day of trouble. And then one more. Proverbs 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord. Whoever is generous to the poor actually gives to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord inhabits the experiences of the least of these. He says in Matthew 24, for whoever gave to the least of these gave to me because I inhabit weakness, lowliness, neediness. Whoever gives to the poor lends to the Lord because God is there and he will repay him for his deed. Now, one in the New Testament, and we'll leave it at that. Acts chapter 24, verse 17. Paul's on his third missionary journey. And one of his motivations for getting back to Jerusalem is that he's collected an offering from all these Gentile, non-Jewish churches that he's planted throughout the Roman world. He's collected a generous offering to go and provide for the destitute Christians experiencing famine in Jerusalem a love offering, a gift. He is giving alms, charitable giving to people in need. So again, what spans the scripture is that God calls his people to be generous to those in need. It is good and right in the eyes of God. He instructs us to give to the poor. So can I ask you, what is your heart? What is my heart as we think about giving to the poor? Do we approach the poor with a posture of skepticism? Well, they've done something to get themselves in that predicament. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Your business is to give, to give thoughtfully and wisely, yes, to give in a way that dignifies the poor, that empowers the poor, that does not create dependency among the poor. Yes, but we're called to give thoughtfully, wisely, generously. It's throughout the scripture. So what is our heart posture as we think about giving to the poor? Are we practicing that? Jesus presupposes it. He assumes that his followers are doing it in this passage. Well, maybe you're here today and you're somewhat skeptical of Christianity. Perhaps you've bought into believing that Christianity and Christians, the church, is out to get something from you. That has turned a lot of people away. I wonder if you realize the roots of charitable giving in our world, where this practice of giving to those in need is rooted in. Brothers and sisters, the founding of hospitals, orphanages, and schools throughout the centuries is from the generous hands of Christians. Giving is a reflection of the heart of God, and he calls his people to give. Now, Have Christians, churches, and ministries at times been guilty of greed and financial malfeasance? Yes. And that needs to be repented of, confessed, and turned away from because it maligns the gospel. It soils the name of Jesus. Yes, there's been bad practices. But it does not nullify the historic witness of generosity where hospitals, orphanages, and schools, all kinds of good things have been started and birthed because of the generous hands of God's people. Atheism, naturalism, a mentality of the survival of the fittest has no place for charitable giving because those people get snuffed out. 
It, it comes from the heart of God. It comes from the heart of God. Charitable giving comes from the Lord. He is a good gift giver, loves to give good gifts to you, and he delights in giving us the privilege of giving to others to share in his work. What a joy. What a joy it is to share in the work of our Father, who is a good and perfect gift giver. Giving to those in need is a right and good thing in the eyes of God, and God instructs us to do it regularly. Jesus presupposes giving to those in need, but his primary aim in this passage is our motivation in doing that. That's his aim, our motivation. He says in verse 2, Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Jesus warns against attention-getting giving. Don't do that. Sound no alarm, ring no bell. He's warning against attention-getting giving. Giving to get applause. Giving to be recognized, to be noticed. That's what he's warning against. And some historical background here, it's thought that there were times in first century Judaism where a horn or a bell would be rung to prompt people to come to the temple and offer a contribution towards a a cause. And some people would run and make sure everybody saw them running to go and to give. Or givers would blow a horn or a trumpet or ring a bell as they gave. Whatever the case may be, historically, Jesus is warning against attention-getting giving. Giving to be noticed. Friends, beware making the praise of people your goal in giving. Beware the relentless chase of human approval. Because that chase never ends. It's a treadmill that will keep you running and never satisfied, never arriving at your destination. It's a chasing after the wind. It never satisfies. You could never get enough pats on the back to satisfy you. You can never hear enough applause. You're going to keep returning back to it and back to it and back to it. And thus, the challenge and the witness that we see from celebrities and famous people, it's never enough. It's never enough. No matter how much it is, they got to keep coming back to it. It's never enough. Jesus says that hypocrites give in a boastful way like this, in a showy way. That's what hypocrites do. The word hypocrite is literally to play the part, to act in a play, to masquerade different roles. And it shows us the ways that our actions can betray our inner attitudes. And Jesus wants wholeness. He wants integrity. He wants consistency between the external and the internal. Not showmanship, doing an honorable thing in giving, but doing so from a corrupt heart. He doesn't want that kind of inconsistency. That's hypocrisy. Jesus wants integrity, wholeness consistency between the external and the internal. An honorable thing, yes, doing so humbly from a pure heart. That's what he's after. The Sermon on the Mount is all about targeting the heart. What are some of the ways that we can fall prey to showy giving? I'm just thinking through just a number of ways that we can fall prey to this. Company fundraisers where your name is public, you know, just guard your heart. Guard your heart. GoFundMe pages where you can list your name there and the amount. People do this all the time. I'm just saying, 
Think about your motivation behind your name being listed on there. Talking about your tithing to others, even in a church context. Having your name on a building. Again, this, this happens all the time, and I don't want to be legalistic and say you shall never do that, but I think we need to see those opportunities and read the scriptures and how they inform how we ought to move and act. What is my heart behind my decision on these things? Jesus then goes on to speak of the haunting results, the reward of boastful giving. Notice what he says at the end of verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. Do you notice notice what he says here? This is tragic. There's an empty irony that happens when you're about applause and approval and pats on the back. When you give for that purpose and you get that result, that's all you get. Applause, approval, and it never is going to satisfy you or me. Jesus is saying, when you do that, when that's your goal, that's all you're getting is a Hooray, Dane. You're so generous, Dane. What a great giver you are, Dane. That's all you get. No reward from your heavenly Father. Nothing eternal. Nothing lasting. Your reward is just that, what what you were after, what you so desperately longed after you got. And you know what you find at the end of that? It's not enough. It's not enough. And I'm empty again. I'm empty again. That's what he's saying. It's a tragic, empty result. That's all you get. Human praise is fleeting. Never enough pats on the back, never enough applause. True satisfaction is not found in human approval. True satisfaction is found when you stand approved before a holy God. That's where human, that's where human satisfaction comes from. Approval from your creator, your heavenly father, and that's where Jesus takes us next. Beware boastful giving, for its reward is fleeting. Second, practice humble giving, for its reward is forever. Let's look again at verses 3 and 4. Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Now, this is admittedly an over-the-top metaphor of privacy in giving. I mean, it's impossible not, as a human being, not to know what you're left and right hand, you know that. Jesus is giving an over-the-top metaphor. Be so private and secretive and hidden that your left and your right hand don't know. It's an overstatement for the purpose of emphasis. Be private in your giving. Don't announce it. There's only one who needs to know it. There's only one who will ultimately see it, and that's God. Friends, we live our lives before an audience of one. Only one opinion matters at the end of the day. It's the Lord God Almighty who has x-ray vision into our hearts, and he knows it already. There's no hiding from him. Every deed is exposed before his eyes. We must live our lives before an audience of one. That's the right motivation. Before the audience of Almighty God who has x-ray eyes and sees in secret what we're doing and why we're doing it. That's our right motivation. Practice humble giving, giving with integrity, giving with a heart that is pure and honorable before God. Why do we do this? Jesus tells us, for you have a heavenly reward. You have a reward from your Father. 
And that reward is forever. Notice what Jesus says at the end of verse 4. And your father who sees in secret, he's got those x-ray eyes, he sees in secret, will reward you. Now why do I say the reward is forever? Am I making a little bit of a stretch? Well, in some ways I'm leaning into Matthew 6, 19 through 21 about storing up treasures in heaven. There is a later reward coming, and we'll talk about this, but there's also a now reward as we give faithfully in relationship with God. This reward is grounded in a relationship of intimacy with God by faith and obedience. Your right giving comes from that relationship. Your giving here and now gives you the joy of being called a son or a daughter of your heavenly father who is generous, who is good, who loves to give. One of the best blessings about giving in this life is the joy of knowing you're walking in the footsteps of your father. There's nothing like it. We give privately, generously, sacrificially, knowing that the Lord sees it, and the Lord gives like that. He's generous. Gives from a pure heart. The joy of of walking with Jesus and knowing that you're reflecting his character, his glory. We are called to be reflectors of his glory back to him, not absorbers of glory for ourselves. That's the the error of humanity. We want to absorb and suck in the glory. No, no, reflect it back to him. Just reflect his character back to him. No praise for yourself, all praise to him. And in that, we're actually satisfied. So there's a blessing now, the joy of being called sons and daughters, the joy of walking in our father's footsteps, and there's a reward later. There's a reward later. Friends, there is a theology of future rewards in the New Testament, and we ought not to be embarrassed to talk about it. We should be motivated by the right rewards in the Bible. Jesus talks about rewards. Paul talks about rewards. Jesus will say it later on in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. That's a complimentary passage. Store up treasures in heaven. Treasures that one day you will look to and be so grateful for that you laid them up while you were on earth. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 14. Paul is unpacking how we lived and ministered and operated in this life. Did we build from right motives and using the right materials? For each person's work will be exposed. Verse 14, if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. God is going to give crowns of righteousness. He's going to hold out, dole out rewards in heaven, and it will be glorious, and there will be no jealousy because we're in heaven. But there will be a, a doling out, a giving of rewards based on how we live in this life. We should pursue those It's good and right to store up treasures in heaven. It's good and right to go after rewards in heaven based on how you live right now. It pleases God. Friends, live your life in a way that pleases God now and forever. Beware boastful giving, for its reward is fleeting. Practice humble giving, for its reward is forever. It is the season of giving. We've just gone through Giving Tuesday. But as we start this Advent season, let me, let me leave you with this. 
It is the season of giving. But friends, you have to come to the point of receiving first. Jesus Christ came to give himself for you. He gave all of himself for you in lowliness and weakness and humility. That's how he came. Emptied himself, Paul says in in Philippians 2. Humble, sacrificial giving is what the incarnation is all about. That is the gift that he's held out to you that you can never earn, you could never achieve on your own. You just receive it by faith in Christ. Yes, it is the season of giving, but before this season gets started, you have to realize you need to be in the posture of a receiver, receiving what it's all about, Jesus coming and giving himself to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus left his heavenly home, set everything aside, so that you can experience the riches of knowing him, being in relationship with him. Would you receive this most precious and glorious of gifts by faith in Christ, trusting in Christ, turning from your sin? That's how you receive this greatest of all gifts. And it's this humble and sacrificial gift that we have an opportunity to remember, celebrate, and savor today through the Lord's Supper. So if you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Christ, you've come to the point of trusting him, we welcome you to celebrate the Lord's Supper with us uh, this morning. In a moment, I'm going to lead us through that time. I'll pause. You can grab a a cup with uh, a cracker and juice as we celebrate together. If you're not yet a believer, we're so glad you're here. Hold off on celebrating the Lord's Supper right now. Give yourself time to process the truths of the gospel that you might come to trust in Jesus and then come to the table and celebrate the Lord's Supper. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Father, we thank you for your grace. We're thankful for your word that you give us to read and to unpack. We pray that you would teach us, Lord, to give with right motivations, to give not to be recognized, but to to give in a way that only you see, seeking your approval, your affirmation. Father, forgive us for our pride, our boastfulness, the ways that we doggedly pursue things with the wrong motivation. God, I pray that for some who've not yet received this precious gift of Jesus Christ, that they would, by faith, turn to you, turn from sin, and trust in this gift. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.